Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Your co-hosts, Jamie Albright and Sarah Rosette, couldn't be more different. In fact, they're a study in contrasts. However, despite all of their differences, they agree that sharing what they wish they'd known, both the good and the bad, is the key to moving forward. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week we have an interview with Shea McLeod. Mm. And it is such an interesting interview. I think people are really going to learn a lot about what Shea has done is she's really good at analyzing why something's not working of her own books and then figuring out how to change it and make it sell better. Mm-hmm. So we really dug into all that and everything she wished she had known. So it'll be really good. Yeah, it's going to be great. And I think it's really important because, you know, she's not precious about things, you know, if it's not yeah. working, fix it. So yeah. I love that. So what's been going on with you? Um, this week has been, I've been doing a lot of um, like admin stuff. Mm-hmm. just for the business. And then um, I finally decided that I'm just going to do some translation stuff myself. Like oh, no. I'm going to outsource it. I got an offer and I just decided that it would just from a traditional publisher in Germany. And I decided it would be better probably in the long run for me just to do it. So I'm going to use Readsy. I've been on there looking for translators. I'm emailing back and forth. So I'm just starting the process. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'll let everybody know. And I was thinking yeah. we should try and get Ricardo on to talk to him about Reed Z and all that I stuff. I always love talking to Ricardo. <laughs> He's got a great accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so not a lot for me this week. And I'm trying to get some writing done, but I um, feel so like I'm like inching along, not making much progress there. But. Well, uh, well, this week has been a little bit of a big week. Uh, it's my cover reveal. Nice. It's on Tuesday, and uh, that's just gone so much better than I could have ever dreamed it would have gone. Um, really, the, the the response has been amazing. Uh, the cover and the blurb seem to work really, really well together. Um, I'm so grateful. And um, I've gotten a couple of notes from my proofreader telling me how much she's loving the book. So that makes me feel like the book will live up to the hype of the cover and the blurb. <laughs> no uh, pressure there. Yeah, no pressure. But, uh, yeah, so that – that's really all I've been doing is pre-release stuff, which, you know, I've got a list as long as my arm mm-hmm. of things I need to do. I'm going to try something different this time with my second epilogue. I'm going to do a, just a short scene from the next book. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to put the book up for pre-order. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is going to be a long pre-order because I don't release very fast. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm going to try it because I, here's here's why because i get one time to you know change the pre-order um and (laughs) so there you go but i i just felt like um i like that idea i Mm -hmm. I think it's a good time to grab people when they're really interested in the the next book and uh so i'm going to try it i've never done it um my pre-orders i do have this book up for pre-orders and i mean i've gotten over a hundred pre-orders just in a couple of days. And so that's been amazing. And so um, I'm going to try it with this book and we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll report back if it was a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always trying to 
the different. I don't. You know, yeah. 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 So. But then you probably find some things that work and some things yeah. that don't. And you yeah. keep the ones that do. And everything's right. changing all the time anyway. So. Right. And because I release so infrequently, you know, by the time I release another book, a lot of the things I did for the last book don't really work as well yeah. as they did back then. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. It's been, I mean, it's been a good week. It's, it mm-hmm. is exhausting, but it is, it's been very good. Yeah. Oh, very and good. I had something else I was going to tell you oh. about. Um, the Kobo podcast, they had a podcast on audiobooks and since everyone was so interested in Amy Dawes and her, um, how she was promoting um, um, audiobooks, yeah. that um, I thought I'll link to this one because Kobo has their own platform so for audiobooks. So if you're wide and not exclusive with your audio, you can list your audiobooks there. And they had all kinds of tips and stuff in there on how to promote, specifically on Kobo. They have things they you know tell about how they can generate coupons for you to give away and all this stuff that I didn't know. Yeah. And so I'd always just listed my books, my audio on find a way, but now I'm thinking I probably should also up the, upload them on Kobo just to take advantage of the promotion opportunities there. So I'll right. link to that. So I thought that was really, could be really helpful. Yeah, it could be. I'm actually 95% sure I'm going to do the audio for this book uh, myself or, or not, you know, I'm outsource not, it. I, I'm going to outsource it. Yeah. Uh, because, um, my other four are with a publisher, which they've been great and I love, but I want to try doing it on my own and see what happens again. It's all about control y'all and control. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really a lot about just trying different things. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't mm-hmm. you know that and you go on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times within these, we feel like oh, if it doesn't work, we've mm-hmm. ruined, but that's not it. That's, you know, there's hardly a mistake. That's the basis of our podcast. That you hardly cannot you learn can from or recover. From. Yes, exactly. Learn from or recover from. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to try that this time, but yeah. I'm no, I'm in a way I, sh- I could have tried to do it before the book came out, but it would have made the release later. So mm-hmm. um, I'll do it as soon as the book comes out, start investigating all that. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, I pretty much know what I'm going to do, but yeah. Yeah. But there's only so much you can do, like yeah, at once, so. at one time. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely can't. Certainly not with my pandemic brain. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's what's going on, and I hope everyone's having you know good week and enjoying sunshine. If you've got sunshine where you're at, yeah, have a good summer. You with because it's awesome. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Today we have Shaya McLeod with us. Hi, Shaya. Hi. Hi, Shaya. Hello. Shaya McLeod is the author of urban fantasy, post-apocalyptic, sci-fi, contemporary, and paranormal romances, and cozy mysteries. She has dreamed of writing novels since before she could hold a crayon. After a six-year sojourn in London, England, a dearth of good donuts has driven her back to her hometown. She now resides in the leafy hills outside of Portland, Oregon, where she indulges her fondness for strong coffee, ancient aliens, reruns, lemon curd, and dragons because everything's better with dragons. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And did was it Voodoo Donuts that drew you back to uh, Oregon? Well, just donuts in, in general. general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Donuts are always a good thing. <laughs> donuts and dragons. There's yeah, pretty much. 
that's, There's that's a cozy mystery for you. That's what keeps <laughs> authors ticking over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. So, Shaya, tell us what, I mean, we talked about your genres, but do you write in some more than others or uh, is it kind of? Yeah, equally? right. Right now I'm focusing on cozies. Um, mm-hmm. I started back in 2011 mm-hmm. um, with sort of like urban fantasy and paranormal romance and post-apocalyptic and stuff like that. And I, I wrote that and focused on that for like a number of years and then um, switched over to cozies mm-hmm. in, probably about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And good. so um, – <clears throat> I'm not saying I'll never write in those other things again, but I haven't in a while. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty focused on the cozies because yep. they're fun. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> they're fun. And you're smart to kind of pick a genre and, you know, devote Yeah, because yeah, I was kind of all over the place mm-hmm. doing all – because I read like that. I read lots yeah, of different too. things. Mm-hmm. So, um, But it's hard to uh, build a following when you're not writing in <laughs> – Yes. <laughs> We've talked about that a lot on, on the podcast, how, you know, it, yeah. it may seem like not as much fun to to pick one genre and write mm-hmm. in it, but if you want to make money, that's kind of the best way to do it. Absolutely. And like with cozies, I focus on cozies, but I write in three different sh- sub genres of cozy. Mm-hmm. So I can get out all of that, you know, mm-hmm. do the contemporary thing, do the historical thing do the paranormal thing. And um, I can kind of get all that, all those interests in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said that you've been, uh, you wanted to write or you dreamed of writing novels since you could hold a crayon. That's what your bio says. So how mm-hmm. did you get into writing? I mean, did you? Well, I mean, literally I, my, my aunt tells me that I used to sit in the back seat of their car and like, I couldn't even like talk really other than a few words. And she's like, you just ramble on. And it was clear you were telling this story. Mm-hmm. We had no idea what you were saying, yeah. but it was clear you were telling a story and you were just fascinated by it. And I have zero memory of this. Yeah. This is what she says. Yeah. Um, but then, but definitely um, I, my mother, you know, would, would take us to the library and get picture books. And I always liked the ones that, you know, had like a little mystery mm-hmm. and, but, it, and, and I was like, I kind of wanted to do something like that, but I didn't really know what that meant. But it was when I picked up my first Agatha Christie, I was about 11 that I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to write stories. And so you know, I wrote over the years just for myself, but um, that 2011, I published my first novel. So that was everything coming together, yes. I guess. That was very Fantastic. cool. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I didn't read I Christie until I was older. So I was in like my 20s. And so, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people find her when they're really young. I think uh, Agatha Christie and Nancy Drew are two mm-hmm. huge influences. Well, yeah, on I Mr. started Riders. with Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But then I read all the ones that were at our little library, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like, I need, I need more, more like this. Well, there, <laughs> there wasn't, you know, there wasn't for for my age group. Right. So, um, so you know, I can't remember if my mother or the librarian um, showed me Agatha Christie and was like. They probably figured it was safe because, you know, mm-hmm. 
there's nothing too adult except for murder. <laughs> right. And, and that's fine, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's totally. not going to upset a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it didn't upset me. And I'm not sure if I should be worried about that. <laughs> no. no, I don't think so. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, so after publishing, you know, mm-hmm. you got started publishing. So what would you say was your um, first big success? And then also like, what was there a point when like you leveled up, like you felt like you'd start out and you reached a new level? Um, so I, I got, I found success very early. I published my first book. And um, this was my Sunwalker saga, which is like a urban fantasy paranormal romance. And I published the first book in at the end of June, 2011. And I published the second book in like, I don't remember September maybe or July. I, yeah, anyway. Um, and by the end of September, I was able to quit my job. Um, wow. cause I was, you know, doing, I was making probably four, five times a month at that point when I was making at my job wow. and my job was ending kind of ending anyway, cause it was a temporary job. And so it was kind of like, it was, kind of a perfect time just don't get another job (laughs) and so um yeah so that and and that and I was very successful with that for a while and um I would say instead of leveling up I kind of leveled down (laughs) because I did a stupid thing I, I mean I think it's stupid for my for me it was a terrible decision I signed those first three books in that series with a publisher and they promised, of course, the moon and the stars and they tanked my income by a significant amount, like immediately with just poor management Mm -hmm. and um, lack of promotion. And yeah, it was not good. So, um, over the next few years, my, it just kind of kept going down and down. And I was like, and I kept putting stuff out thinking "Ah, something will stick, something will stick. It wasn't until I just pivoted Mm -hmm. and went for a totally new genre. That's when I leveled up and I actually had my first six figure year. So um, I just had to do something completely different than what I was Mm -hmm. doing. Yeah. And and sometimes that's, I think that's common is like if you switch to something, maybe a new genre or you try something new, maybe you try ads when you hadn't tried before or something. Sometimes that's just the, you know, the thing that'll push you over the edge and get you going again. Yeah. It certainly did for me because I was just almost panic writing at this point because my sales had by, by, I think it was, so 2017 was my worst year. Like my sales were like a third of what they'd been in 2011. And I mean, I was still making probably about what I would have made working for somebody, but um, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't what I wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was constantly just putting stuff out real fast and it wasn't getting any traction. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I just have to do something completely completely different reinvent myself um so I did and um and it worked yeah (laughs) that's great yeah so we ask our um guest what do you wish you'd known about writing and craft when you first started Mm. um 
Well, it would have been great if I would have settled in my sort of method of how I write the best. Okay. Um, but that's just something that comes with experience. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so I don't think there's any way I, I could have known. Um, I sure wish I knew where some trends were going. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> but I, I mean... To be honest, I wish I would never have signed that. I wish I knew more about the publishing industry. Um, I actually didn't find out that um, self-publishing was a thing that you could do until April of 2011. And and then I was like, oh, well, let's try this thing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know. There was a lot I didn't know. But I didn't know what I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. So, that, well, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Until, exactly. Yeah. And and I think it's, it, you know, and, and back then there weren't a lot of the marketing things that we mm-hmm. have now. BookBub wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Amazon ads weren't a thing. Um, I can't even, I think Facebook ads were, but nobody really knew what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, one of, definitely one of the things that I very much wish I did then, and I knew I should have done it then. It was start a newsletter from and my own mailing list from day one, and I didn't do that. I was like, "Well, Amazon will just let people know when I have a new book out." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't that was not a bright move. Um, I would say that's it's the only thing you own, um, your website and your newsletter list, and. Amazon giveth and Amazon take the way mm-hmm. and you have no control over whether they tell mm-hmm. people that you have a book or not. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I wish I'd have done that. I didn't start doing that until at least two, maybe three years in. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that people think, well, nobody cares to hear from me or nobody wants mm-hmm. to hear from me or nobody. And that's, really not the point yeah. of having your newsletter. The mm-hmm. point is whether they want to hear from you or not, you have access to them. And right. so, and that's, that's really the point. And yeah. then you figure out what works best mm-hmm. for your audience. You know, sometimes for people, it's just sending out an email when they have a, a new release mm-hmm. or if they have a freebie or if they have, you know, a bit of news for other mm-hmm. people. It's just kind of a weekly or bi-monthly newsletter just saying, Hey, guess what's going on in my life. Yeah. And you have to figure that out, but yeah, it's, absolutely. Not, it's for you, not really for them. Kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you can yeah. make it for them. You need to give sure. value, but in the beginning, that mm-hmm. newsletter is for you to right. have something to hold yeah. on to and, a, and an audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't have anything to say. I don't know right. what to say. Right. And it's like, well, that's okay. That's fine. That again, that's not really the point. The point is that's the only way you can 100% guarantee that you can let that person know when you have any release. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, look at, you know, what I did, in the early days was I signed up for a few authors newsletters that I liked their books just to see what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's the thing that you can do, but yeah, that, that newsletter is pure gold and yeah. 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 I think it's smart to, 
see what other people are doing, especially in your genre and just kind of see mm-hmm. what people, cause that's going to give you kind of an idea of what, right. what that genre are interested yeah. in or that, especially if they're, you know, like if you're writing cozy, witch paranormals, then you can see what other mm-hmm. people, you know, so that gives you a good idea. So we like to also ask what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career and did they turn out to be right or wrong? Well, I knew from the beginning it was going to be hard work. I never had this idea that I was going to be floating around like Barbara Cartland. Um, <laughs> With the big uh, hair and the jewels exactly. and all that. And the flowing gowns. No, I mean, More's the pity. More's <laughs> the pity. <laughs> I knew the days of, you know, big release parties or getting your book in, in um, bookstores was kind of a thing of the past. I really, I had really pretty much let that go by that time. Um, which I think was good because I've seen too many young writers and by young, I mean new, not young in age um, with this dream of being in a bookstore. And so they chase after something that's not a good option for them just to, to meet that goal. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you can, my books have been in bookstores, but without any big traditional publishing house helping me. So, um, that's a thing that can happen. But um, I thought it would take much longer than it did for me to be able to do this full time. Um, so that was kind of a good thing to be wrong about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And that's not something, of course, you know, that always happens. You can't guarantee that's going to happen. Um, yeah. But um, I had been writing and working at it for a long time before that. Mm-hmm. So this was a, you know, 20 year overnight success. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think that's what's so hard about indie publishing, well, publishing in general, but indie publishing in particular, because you can't really tell someone what the magic bullet is. Right. Because it is a combination of things. Like mm-hmm. for me, it was that newsletter list that I had built before. The book came out, but then on the other hand, I did write the best book I could, you know, so Mm -hmm. it sort of all stacks on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And, and then I got some exposure. I mean, you know, so unfortunately there's just not the magic bullet. All you can do is I wrote, I wrote to market at that time without knowing that was what I was doing. Um, I, I didn't, no, right to market wasn't like a terminology that Correct. I had. Yeah. And, but I loved reading urban fantasy paranormal romance. So I knew precisely what mm-hmm. readers were looking for. I knew what the covers looked like. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a book that was basically indistinguishable from traditional publishing mm-hmm. as, you know, at yeah. first glance at least. Um, so I got the professional editor. I got the professional cover designer. I, you know, didn't try putting up some cheap thing that I'd put together myself because that would have been a disaster. And I was smart enough to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that had a lot to do with it. Now, unfortunately, what I di- I didn't know that's what I was doing. So future series <laughs> weren't necessarily that way until I realized what I'd done, how I'd done it. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm going to do that again. So I was able to then replicate that yeah, yeah. with a, dif- a different genre. But, but, go ahead, Sarah. I was going to say, but you didn't give up. You know, I think that if there's like any mm-hmm. magic bullet, it's that you keep going and you keep mm-hmm. trying things. And, you know, you know, I appreciate you sharing that it, it started out well and it kind of 
dipped and came back mm-hmm. because a lot of people, they don't, they don't, you don't hear people talk about, Oh, well, it didn't go so well for me during this time. And so, you know, everyone has this image that everyone's career is like this upward trajectory mm-hmm. trajectory. Have you said, um, and it's not no, it's always kind of a roller coaster. It's not- yes. <laughs> Both literally and physically. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, there was a couple of years where, you know, it was pretty grim, but it was like, yeah, I mean, and, and it wasn't just for me. Those were years where um, KU2 came in and things like that. And a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people's careers were tanking, not just mine. Um, Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people that gave up writing at that time, but it wasn't something I wanted to do. And I don't think it was something I could do. For me, this has been a career from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and I've treated it that way. And every business, whether it's a fortune 500 company or a mom and pop shop has its ups and downs. And so I'm like, well, this too shall pass. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, I think if we, and we've talked about this on the podcast too. I mean, if you, if we recap, even right now, writing, um, knowing your genre expectations and kind of writing to those, um, Mm -hmm. an email list, reading in the genre you write in, Mm -hmm. um, those and not, not giving up, you know, I mean, knowing that it's not always going to be an upward, you know, an upward trajectory. It's going to go up and down. Yeah. I, I just think those are so, so important for, mm-hmm. for all authors, but especially new authors to yeah. remember or authors who've been in it a while and haven't seen any success yet. Mm-hmm. It's not because it's not coming. It just yeah. means you got, we can't give up. I mean, the only Absolutely. way we fail is if we give up. So exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's funny cause I have seen a few authors um, who've had, many books out who've been doing this for a long time, who never made any money, even had a series that was maybe an older series that out of the blue just started taking off. Um, a lot of times it's because maybe that was, it was published too early yeah. or mm-hmm. too late mm-hmm. um, for what was popular, what was the market wanted right. and the markets come back around or it's gotten there. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're making money and they're like, Oh, um, that happens. This is the great thing about indie publishing, which is, I think, not something that we've really seen before because tra- of the way traditional publishing worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you had X amount of time to make money and then you were out. Right. And yeah. now mm-hmm. with indie publishing, you can just have those books on your shelf forever. Mm-hmm. And readers go in cycles, like romance in, in particular. Um, I've seen this happen where. Um, Paranormal romance was kind of a big deal back in the Mm nineties and then it died Mm -hmm. and we didn't see it again until post twilight. And all of a sudden it was all paranormal romance Mm -hmm. all the time, but it's dead again. I'm not totally, we're seeing it a lot like with reverse harem and stuff, but um, it's not as popular as say contemporary romance or whatever. And, but it'll come again because Mm -hmm. these things do, they always come in waves. Um, so yeah, I've seen people who did, haven't made money all of a sudden make money, and yeah, give it, the only way you're going to fail is just giving up. Giving up, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing? <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking about that um, <laughs> <laughs> the other day because I was reading the questions and um, and I was kind of 
you know, trying to figure out what that was. And um, definitely, well, the th- I mean, <laughs> signing with that publisher wasn't what I would say a good thing. Mm-hmm. However, it taught me some very valuable lessons. Right. Yeah. And it also, in, in a weird way, gave me the confidence to realize that I am the only person who cares about my career. Absolutely. I, I am the best person to make decisions for my career. Mm-hmm. And putting it in someone else's hands is not something um, I want to do. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Again. So while, while I would say that it was a terrible mistake career-wise, um, it, it did teach me something very valuable because at the time I signed that contract, I don't think I'd maybe been publishing six months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was super new. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. Um, but, but it did, it, it oddly gave me a lot of confidence. And over the years, as I thought about it, <clears throat> um, yeah, it really was an excellent, valuable learning lesson. That's great. That is good though, because if you can take something bad and pull lessons out of it, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, then it wasn't wasted. You know, you learn something and you you move on. You said that sort of earlier when you said you were riding to market, you didn't know you were doing it. And then, and then you went back and reevaluated and went, why are these successful? Oh, this is why, you know? So it's, it's constantly looking at that. I think, right. I think we can, it's really easy. And I do this to have a chip on your shoulder. And mm-hmm. if something doesn't work or, de- or people don't like it or whatever, mm-hmm. you're just like, well, I'm not going to say a bad word because you're trying to keep it very PG. <laughs> <laughs> we are like, well, just forget it. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we can't do that. Just, right. Yeah. Yeah. And there will be things. There will be things, I mean, there's definitely six, some series that I did and I didn't write them to market and um, because I didn't realize what I was doing. Um, and so they didn't do particularly well. They might have a small following, but it's not enough to really make, make any money. And so it's not worth putting more into them. And I probably carried them more than, you know, further through more books than they should have been. Um, but, and I just couldn't understand at that time why I do now. Mm-hmm. And in some situations, they simply can't be fixed. They're too mm-hmm. intertwined. And I'm like, you know, they are what they are. They're going to be there. Whoever wants to read them can read them. Right. <laughs> I've put enough effort. And other ones, I've looked at them and gone, I can do better. Yeah. 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 So we'll talk about some of the changes you've made yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. do you think... That like, is it just experience that you've gained that you've been able to look back and figure out which ones are worth working on and which ones are worth just leaving alone? Or do you have like other authors that you hash things out with? Yeah. Yeah. I've hashed things out with other authors. And, um, I mean, to be honest, one of the series, um, that I, I, I didn't rewrite it or anything like that. I just put new covers on it, trying to, trying to appeal to a different market. And, um, it simply didn't work. Um, so that was $700, <laughs> but it was a tax write-off. So yeah, that's exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, is um, it, it's a mashup of um, post-apocalyptic and romance and adventure, and there are dragons in it. And so the romance readers, it's the paranormal romance readers. It's a little, it's not paranormal enough because it isn't, it's more sci-fi. Um, sci-fi readers, they're not interested. They want aliens and spaceships. Mm -hmm. 
post-apocalyptic readers want, you know, viruses and atom bombs and zombies, mm-hmm. you know, um, so <laughs> it doesn't really fit anything and it's so not to market and there's no way to rewrite it mm-hmm. to make it to market that wouldn't take a ton of work. And so I did put new covers on it and that was not, it was a waste of money. Um, it's a thing that is never going to take off. I mean, but, it, you, it, but you tried it. And so now, you know, yep. otherwise you might always be thinking, mm, what else can I do? So exactly. Like and it'd be, totally I'd be fussing wasted. over it in my yeah. mind. So I was like, well, I tried that and yeah, it's just not going to happen. It's just too much of a mashup and yeah. um, it's got its little readership that love it and occasionally ask me, when are you going to do more? <laughs> Probably never. Um, <laughs> well, and, so, uh, yeah. So I was going to say, what about the opposite? Have you ever had what you thought was like just this amazingly brilliant idea and then it turned out to be not so great? Well, I had, um, I wrote, so I had this idea for years about, I wanted to write um, a cute sort of romantic comedy about my time living in London and sort of a, semi-true fictionalized story you know and I I wrote it and I loved it and I turned it into a series because I'm like oh this is the best (laughs) and I put it out and crickets like and the thing is people who who read that first book are they love it absolutely love it um but it just doesn't sell so I I have got new covers for it and I'm going to do some little tweaks to it um, and and put it back out and see. Because romantic comedies are pretty hot right now. And That's they weren't. Yep. Yes. <laughs> well, and they they weren't as hot when I originally put put them out. Like they, they were, you know, people were, there was a few out there, but they weren't doing as well as contemporary romances yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping that with the new covers that are more to what the market is right now, um, <laughs> it might work. If not, it is what it is. And it is what it alone. is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so speaking of new covers though, um, you've just done a whole recovering of a cozy series, correct? Right. I have, well, I have a, one series that it was actually my first series and uh-huh. I, I made a few mistakes when I was uh, writing that and it didn't really take off. Um, and one of the mistakes was poor covers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were okay, but they they weren't what they weren't what people were looking for mm-hmm. in cozy. So I I recovered them. Mm-hmm. So I have that series, and I have another series that was a completely different genre that I'm completely rewriting into mm-hmm. a cozy series. So I've got yeah. two different things going. On. <laughs> okay. right. well, so, well, so we want to hear about it all. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you did a, you did a post in the twenty books to fifty k group yes. about recovering right cozies correct yes and yes, that's that, all you did that is all I did that was well I so first so it was it's a contemporary cozy mystery series mm-hmm. and um I knew the covers weren't great but they weren't terrible and they had been wide and I put them in KU because someone you know uh recommended that but it didn't really help so they were in KU, they were selling terribly. Um, and I had met Mariah Sinclair at the 20 books to 50 K conference mm-hmm. in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I said, someone told me she was the cozy mystery queen. And I was like, <laughs> Mariah, 
<laughs> can you look at this? Can, can you make this better? She's like, I'm like, I think it's the wrong cover. And she looked at it and she goes, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was fortunately able to hire her to um, do a complete rebrand uh, recover on the, uh, I wouldn't say rebrand more a recover on the, on the series. So she did all new covers for the whole series. They're super cute. Yes, they um, are. Yes. And I just love them. Absolutely love them. And it, it picked up and they wow. are selling solidly now. Um, there, it's not my best selling series, but it's selling very solidly. And so I'm actually writing new books in the series at this point, because there's now enough eyes on the series to make it worth my time to write more. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Uh, if it's okay with you, I'd love to put the two covers in our show notes sure. for yeah. people to see, because mm-hmm. the first cover is not bad. No, it isn't. No, it's, and, it's a cute yeah. cover. Yeah. You can definitely see the difference. Between. Yeah. The, the, the new ones, like they just have a little, just like extra something that you, that like, as a, as a reader, I go, Ooh, this, let me look more at this. This looks good. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so that's so hard to define. Mm-hmm. That's why covers are so important. Yes. And it's really important. And yeah, like the, the first cover, she did what I asked her. Um, she did a good job. It, it is, it's not a bad cover. Yeah. It, I mean, you can certainly tell it's a cozy mystery, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it just wasn't what readers in the genre were looking for. It right, didn't right. like grab them. Yeah. And I think that, and that's so important. Um, so, yeah. And what I found interesting too is that it, the, the color scheme is pretty much the same. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you went from pastels to this bright, you know, these <laughs> bright, bold colors. They're both sort of the same color scheme. I, yeah. I was very interested in um, just, I sat there and stared at them for a while because <laughs> I thought, wow, they're just... They are different, but there's not, it's not like they're night and day different. That, right. it's, it's like, this is why, this is why writers can't talk to cover artists. Cause we're like, yeah. we don't know why that works, but we love it. But just, yeah. that, yeah. that, we'll see. And with Mariah, I basically let her do what she wanted and because just, I so had, yeah. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she, you know, I just told her about the series. She saw the original covers um, and she, sh- she did the, that first book, um, the corpse in the cabana and she showed me the cover and I went, oh, you know? <laughs> it's, so, it's so amazing. I just loved it. Um, yeah. actually the body in the bathtub is probably my favorite cover, but, um, but yeah, the whole series, she just really, really nailed it. Yeah. So tell us about your re the, the like total rebrand you're doing. That's, Right. It's so, quite, quite a job. It that is like. quite, yeah, it's a big, it's a big job. Um, I'm so, um, a few years back, I wrote a paranormal romance series with witches and it was tied into my big best-selling urban fantasy paranormal romance series. It was kind of a spinoff, um, but it didn't sell. It just, and by the time I put out book four, it had just tanked. I think for my my release of that book, if I'm remembering correctly, I only had like 127 purchases. Oh. And that was like the worst release I ever had. Yeah. And um, 
I was like, there, I don't understand. Cause I, they were, um, you know, they were romances. They had the romance in them. They had a mystery like subplot, if you will. Um, I just couldn't figure out why they weren't selling, even though I, I even changed at one point the subtitle or something to, to make it obvious that it was part of that, that world didn't work. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, it had been languishing and I was wanting to write a paranormal cozy series because I enjoy them so much. And, um, I'd been discussing things with some different authors and, kind of came up with this brainstorm of, well, why not take this series that isn't selling and turn it into something that might sell better? Mm-hmm. And I knew it would take, it was a huge gamble and I knew it would take a lot of work, but of all my series, that was the most likely to, to work. Mm-hmm. So um, I had bought a pre-made ser- set of covers from Mariah that was, ended up actually being perfect for, for that project. So, um, I, I did, I rewrote, I rewrote the first book and I basically took it out of that world and put it in its own world. We still had the mystery element. I toned down the darker aspects, Mm -hmm. took out the swearing, took out the sex, (laughs) you know, I, I turned it into a cozy paranormal, witch cozy mystery. And I put it out and um, sold a little bit. And then I got the second one out. By the time I got the third one out, it actually started selling. And in the first four, five months, I made more than I did in the whole four years that the, it was out as the other series. Oh, my gosh. Um, I got chills. That's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> so, um Again, it's not, it's not my best selling series by far, but it is now actually making, it's making money and it's actually made back the cost I put into it. So it's been well worth the time and I'm actually working on the fourth book right now. Um, And then I have a, I have a fifth book plan, which the original series didn't have a fifth book. So that'll actually be a totally new book. And then I'll be done with that series because it's just a short term series, but um but yeah, it was, it's, that. it's been well worth it. Like, yeah. um, it went about as well as, as I could have imagined, like, um, because yeah, it just looking at, looking back, I can kind of see why maybe it didn't sell kind of, but, um, definitely, um, I couldn't turn it a hundred percent to market. Mm-hmm. but it's about 80% because it's a little bit darker than your typical cozy. Mm-hmm. And it follows a different witch in each, each book, which is not oh, yeah. typical yeah. of cozies. Yeah. So it's about 80% uh, of what people want in a cozy, but it's selling solidly now. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, yeah, definitely worth, worth, worth the risk. <laughs> so why yeah. do you think that it didn't work as a paranormal romance? Well, I think, um, for one thing, uh, it was a spinoff of that other um, series, which mm-hmm. that other series had one person through the whole book, mm-hmm. uh, through the whole series. Mm-hmm. And it was very much, she was a vampire hunter and it was very active and, you know, whatever. 
Uh, and this was, be, was more in the paranormal romance vein rather than the more urban fantasy vein. Right. Okay. And so I think that readers who went from that, you know, the, it was too different. That's mm-hmm. one issue. Also, paranormal romance was kind of on the downslide. So right. it wasn't right. selling as well. Um, possibly, possibly also might the mystery element might have thrown people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure because I have read, you know, paranormal romances where there's some kind of mystery, but it may have been too much of a mystery mm-hmm. and not enough of a romance. So, yeah. which works great for for a cozy. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, so the romance elements are still there. They're, they're mm-hmm. toned down a little, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, but, but I think it, it's a nice balance for a cozy. Yeah, that's great. So I just love that. You, I'm sorry, Sarah. No, but you go I ahead. just love that throughout this entire interview, you have told us the things that, the things that didn't work and what you did to make them work <laughs> and how, and, and if they didn't, you moved on. And I just love that spirit and that attitude because that's why you're successful because you don't, you just don't let it get you. I mean, I'm sure you've had your bad days, but I mean, you I'm just sure. yeah. keep moving forward. You keep trying new things. That is mm-hmm. the key. I, I just yeah. think in this business, that's it's, the key. It's a little bit of a challenge for me. I love that challenge of sort of fixing things like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, this thing isn't working. Why isn't it working? And mm-hmm. what can I do to make it work? Or do I need to let it go? Yeah. And I think it's interesting that in the 20 books post, you said when you recovered that series, you knew that the, the story was good. Mm-hmm. And you, so you kind of know, like, like you're going through, you're going, well, can I work on the story? Can I work on the cover? Yeah. You're really analytical almost in a way. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's really yeah. cool. Well, and you know, it helps to really know your subject, like your, your, your genre. I, I you know, I've had, I've, people have come into some of the cozy groups that I'm going to write cozies now. Well, have you read a cozy? No, they've never read a cozy. Well, how can you write a cozy if you've never read one? Okay, so oh this my is God. my this is my <laughs> hobby horse, Jamie's too. too. Especially when people say, "Well, I want to write a cozy," and they're like, they describe this book, and I say, "Does it have a dead body?" And they're yeah. like, "Oh, well, not really." I'm like, "It's not a cozy, it's not a cozy I, mystery." Yeah, all my all my cozies pretty much. I mean, some of the shorter ones, like I do a little like a Christmas novella or something, uh-huh. and those might not have a dead body. Like they might right. have some other kind of mystery. But I like dead bodies. Oh, that sounds yeah. terrible. Uh, not in real life, uh, <laughs> only in books. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's usually there's usually at, at least two in my books, typically yeah. speaking. But um, yeah. I have been reading cozies since I was a child. Yeah. And so I know, um, I know them so yeah. well. So yeah, I very much knew that Viola uh, Roberts' cozy mysteries were meeting what readers were looking for in a contemporary cozy mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I they knew just weren't the, finding them, right? right? They weren't finding them. That was the problem. And I knew that. So because I, I had to take a good hard look at it. Now there might be the first book takes place at a writer's um, convention in St. Pete's, Florida, <laughs> um, <laughs> which you may or may not recognize yeah, that location. We're <laughs> laughing because that's <laughs> neat. Novelist Inc. is it, held every year. Exactly. Yeah. And yep. in 2015, I went to Novelist Inc. Um, and uh, I saw that Pepto-Bismol pink <laughs> building. 
And I just had this idea for this cozy mystery mm-hmm. and this character. And I was like, and I actually started writing it there. Um, so that book came first. And technically she lives in Astoria, Oregon, which is a charming little coastal town here. Um, so if you're really playing to market, probably the first book should take place in that town and then have them travel out of the town for the next yeah. book. So that may have been a mistake, but I kind of knew that probably wouldn't stop people reading the series if they loved it. Right. Um, so I, I knew that um, I really had to fix something from a discoverability standpoint. Right. And one of those things was putting it in KU. That did not work until I changed the covers. Right. So. Right. 100% it was it was the covers and now I'm I have some plans when I launch the new books for some marketing and promotions and things not expensive plans um I'm very careful about how I spend my ads uh and promo money um but um I I, I think I'm going to really see some great numbers once I do put out that new book yeah. That's great. So that's interesting because that brings us to the next kind of question that we had about you have some books wide and you have some books in KU, yes. correct? Yeah. So tell us your kind of thinking about that, your strategy, why you've done, you know, um, so many. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the Sunwalker books are in KU because the first three books are with an Amazon imprint. So mm-hmm. they have to be in KU. So yes. I put, there was no point in having the rest of the series not in KU. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like being all in in KU. I, I, I don't like that feeling. So I tended to go wide with the rest of the series, although I've experimented here and there. Um, initially Viola was not in KU, but because she was not selling anywhere, mm-hmm. um, you know, someone suggested putting her in KU to see if mm-hmm. I could get her discovered. Mm-hmm. And I did, and it didn't work until I rebranded. Um, when I first published my Lady Rample mysteries, which are set in 1930s London, um, I put those wide and I actually built up a following where I make a nice little chunk of change every month off of Kobo and, and through draft to digital and mm-hmm. so on. And so I didn't, I, someone again suggested I put them in KU and I'm like, why would I do that? I'm making money wide. Why would I do that? Yeah. So I decided, though, when I wrote my Sugar Martin Cozy Mysteries, which are set in the ni- late 1940s, also mm-hmm. in England, that I put those straight into KU mm-hmm. um, and see how that goes. And that's gone pretty well. Um, I may take them out and put them wide at some point, to, you know, and, and do that. But I like to play with things. I'm all about the money. I mean, let's be <laughs> honest here. So where I can make money, that's where I go. Um, and I don't like to mess with things that are successful. Lady Rample's successful wide, so I, yes. I'm not going to mess with them. Um, yeah. I put the I put the witch cozies into KU because honestly, with para cozies, from what I'm seeing, the successful mm-hmm. ones are in KU. That's where yeah. the readers are. Yeah. Um, so, and I get very few actual buys of that series. I get mm-hmm. mostly patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I make the bulk of my money. So um, uh, there, I'm sure there's people with paracosies um, that are wide that are doing well, but um, but it is it's a lot of work. Yeah, to sales wide, and it takes yeah. a long time to build up. You know, and so um, 
again, uh, I will probably at some point take them out of KU once sales in KU kind of trickle off, mm-hmm. go wide and see about creating a wider audience for those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of my thing, I guess. <laughs> I think that's great. I, I kind of look at how well like things sell between KU versus wide because there's mm-hmm. some genres that are simply all the readers are in KU. It's just mm-hmm. how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Other genres that you can get away with going wide and building an audience if you're willing mm-hmm. to take the time. So that's how I judge. I don't just go, well, I'm going all in in KU or I'm going all in wide. Mm-hmm. I look at where the market is mm-hmm. and try to make a, an educated guess <laughs> as and, to which the best option is. Yes. Analyzing there yeah, again, yeah. instead of just making like a sweeping, let's do this yeah. or that, do yeah. you know, we think about it. So, but I think we need to talk more about Lady Rample because okay. <laughs> she's, I mean, like she's kind of your um, flagship wide she series, is. right? So, yeah, she is. And to me, like hearing about how much you loved Agatha Christie, was that just because you loved those type of books? How did you get into writing that? Um, uh, yeah, I love mysteries. I love murder mysteries. I watch an inordinate amount (laughs) of like true crime, like murder shows, um, serial killer documentaries. Um, but also a lot of like murder. She wrote, I, I binged Mm -hmm. watched murder. She wrote just like from beginning to end when, yeah, when you're, it used to be on Netflix and I watched the whole thing, including all the movies. Like I love, (laughs) I love murder (laughs) mysteries. I do. I love it so much. So when I, I had this idea for Viola, I wrote her first and she didn't sell well. And I, on, (laughs) there's my analytical brain again. I realized I didn't, there were some things I did in addition to not having great, you know, covers that were really working, um, I didn't, um, I, I advertised it to my readership, which were wow. all romance readers and right. urban fantasy readers. And it messed up my also bots and the algorithms and so on. So that was part of the problem. Right. Um, David Gochran could probably talk on that a lot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So I know how I feel about David Gogren. <laughs> I am a disciple. Yeah. He he's a smart man. He knows yeah. he knows things. Um, uh, so when I did when I wrote Lady Rample, the first Lady Rample, uh, she actually came to me in a dream. I actually dreamt of her <laughs> wow. as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a cigarette in one hand. She doesn't smoke actually, but in my dream she did. She had a cigarette in one hand and a cocktail in the other, and she was dressed like Catherine Hepburn in the 1930s, complete with, like, wide leg trousers and the whole nine yards. And she was just talking away, and um, part of the dream was, like, I actually dreamt the covers, the two of the titles. Wow. Um, and that they were bestsellers. Mm-hmm. It took about a year of me noodling over that mm-hmm. before I was able to write the first book, but... Um, so I have to noodle over things. <laughs> <laughs> we do too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I did my noodling. I wrote the first book. Um, it, I put it out. It did not take off for about two months. I had, all I did was I didn't advertise it to my newsletter. Instead, I did an Amazon ad, a dollar a day, and I just let it run. That's awesome. I didn't advertise it to my readership until it had been out for, I think, two weeks. Mm-hmm something like that. 
After about two months, I was selling an average of one book a day. (laughs) And I'm like, this may have been a huge mistake. And then after two, two and a half months, all of a sudden I was selling 20 books a day. Oh, that's fantastic. What's happening? And anyway, so there we go. And now she is definitely my bestseller. I have a very good month. Anytime I put out a new Lady Rample, she's a huge favorite of mine. Um, And obviously of the readers too. (laughs) (laughs) But I read a lot. I mean, when I published her, there were not many books. I think, Sarah, you might have had. One or I think two we were out. close, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we came out pretty close to each other. You might have been out a little before me. And Lee... Lee Strauss. Was it Lee Strauss might have? Yeah. yeah. And then there were some traditionally published authors, but mm-hmm. there was not very many 20s, 30s yeah. era cozies at that time. But the ones that were there, I read them because... Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know what readers' expectations were for that genre. Yeah. I knew what mine were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know what theirs were. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really deliberately wrote that to market, but in a way that suited my personality and storytelling and what I wanted to do. Um, and it worked. It just yeah. worked. So now I've, I think I just published book nine. Yeah. So you have that one. It's set in the thirties, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you know, now you have a second series that's set in the late forties, late forties, early fifties. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so do you enjoy? Do you just enjoy that historical? I do. Aspect? And here's the funny thing with the the with Sugar Martin, which set in it she starts in 1948. Um, actually, again, that was a pre-made. <laughs> set of covers <laughs> from Saya that I just fell in love with. And I'm like, I don't have a story. I don't write this. Write I just book. bought it. Yeah. I just bought it. And she was like, I'm so glad you bought it. Cause it so fits your brand. And I'm like, okay, but I don't have an idea. And I'm not a person <laughs> that buys covers just to buy covers. I'm yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it was funny because within a couple of weeks of buying those covers, maybe not it, actually, no, this was within 24 hours of buying those covers. Boom. Like that. I had an idea <laughs> and I just wow. ran with it. And, um, you know, it, she took a little while to, to take off, but she's, she's selling pretty solidly and people especially liked, I put out a Christmas, um, story and people really loved it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, so she's doing well and I'm going to put another couple out, um, this year. Hopefully <laughs> that's the plan anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's still early in the year. It's only May. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only May. Oh my only gosh. May. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been awesome. Can you tell people what you think you've done to set yourself up for success? Um, from the beginning, um, I decided I was going to treat this like a business. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, oh, I'm an author. This is my art. No, this is my business. And I am an entrepreneur. I'm a businesswoman. Um, and <laughs> initially, <laughs> initially, I was like, and I'm going to get up at eight o'clock in the morning and blah, blah. No, <laughs> I decided if I was going to work for myself, I was going to work in a way that worked for me. So no, I do not get up at eight o'clock in the morning. I am not a morning person. <laughs> I write in the afternoon. So um, and the joy of being an independent author is I can work when I want yes, and wear my pajamas. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
so, so, uh, but, but, but from a business standpoint, I was going to treat it like a business. I was going to learn the business to the best of my ability. I'm not great at everything, but I'm going to learn it. I'm going to hire professionals to do the things I cannot or don't want to do. Um, and I'm going to learn my trade to the best of my ability. And I'm not going to give up because I am stubborn as bleep. So yeah, um, I think I think if you're going to do this, y- you can't half do it unless mm-hmm. unless you just want it to be a hobby. Yeah, um, and that's fine if that's where you are in your right. life and in, right. in, in your business. But um, and if you only want to write and give it to someone else to do all the rest of the work, you can do that. That's mm-hmm a viable thing, but not a lot of people make a living that way. Yeah. It's very hard. And I want to make not just a living. I want to make a good living. I want to have a rich life that satisfies me. And I really feel like I'm providing something of value to people. I never let anyone denigrate the fact that I write genre fiction. I've had people sneer in my face that cozies aren't real mysteries. I don't really care what you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, cozies bring people joy and this world needs a little joy right now. Uh, it seems so weird sorry. to say murder is joy. <laughs> but, it is. You know. It's so bizarre. It's, it's such a weird crossing of two things, but it I think is. it's because cozies, the emphasis is on the puzzle and figuring things right. out. And I have got, I don't know about you, but I bet you have also received like lots of email during this COVID time. Yes. People saying, Thank you so much. You've mm-hmm. taken my mind off things. And I think, yep. If I can do that, then. Yeah, before I put out the latest Lady Rample, I had announced that she was going to be out within the next couple of weeks. And I was flooded with emails of people so excited. I need her right now. I need her so much. Like she's a real human person that is coming to their house to take care of them and serve them cocktails Cocktails. for the next. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that is exactly what the world needs right now. So I, it's important. Where what we do, I think, is really important. We're going to make money doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. It's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing so much with us today. And thanks for having me. Telling yes. us about your ups and downs. So tell people where um, they can find out more about you and your books. Um, well, they can find me on my website, which is shayamacleod.com, S-H-E-A-M-A-C-L-E-O-D.com. <laughs> you can also find me on um, Facebook. My Facebook page for Cozies is shayamacleod.com cozy mysteries and i'm on uh instagram as shama cloud underscore author okay so, great. All right. pretty much great. everywhere that's, <laughs> that's awesome well, thank you so much for thank being so here much. it was awesome yeah awesome yes. interview you can right time it's been great and you will have all the links to everything and the images about the covers in the show notes uh on our website wish i'd known them for writers.com Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.